Welcome to Chapter 1 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Ken Deans, CIO at Chesapeake Regional Medical Center. In this segment, Deans talks about partnering with Bon Secure to save costs and leverage their epic expertise, why he feels like he's constantly in a state of implementation, and how his team is benefiting from Chesapeake's strong governance model. Hi, Ken. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Yes, thanks for having me. Sure. So just to, uh, to get things started, can you talk a little bit about Chesapeake Regional, um, you know, what you have in terms of the hospitals and some of the other services and uh, where you're located? Yeah, so Chesapeake is in the uh, lower southeastern corner of the state of Virginia. Uh, we are an independent health system. Um, we're actually what's known as in the Commonwealth of Virginia a hospital authority. So that means our organization was created through an act by the state legislature um, back nearly 40 years ago now. Um, And so our board of trustees is a little bit unique in that it is appointed by the city council from the city of Chesapeake. Um, So we have a quasi-governmental touch point from that perspective. uh, But from there down, uh, the organization is its own full uh, 401c3 nonprofit organization. Um, so again, located here in uh, Chesapeake, a coastal community um, consisting of a medical group, a core hospital, all the typical services you would find surrounding, uh, you know, such a medical center, home care, hospice, uh, nursing care, etc. So really, you know, robust, uh, family-friendly, very community-oriented uh, nonprofit uh, organization here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Okay. And how many beds in the hospital? Uh, 310 beds. All right. And now uh, as far as uh, seasonal volumes, is that something that, that impacts you pretty much? Um, Believe it or not, not so much. We are a co-owner in a hospital down in the Outer Banks area of North Carolina, which is uh, owned by a a, a close neighbor, Vident Healthcare. Um, That organization really is in a travel uh, area, so they do see a fair amount of seasonal volume. Um, but for our organization, we have a, a pretty constant volume. You certainly have some seasonal volumes like most organizations have, but not in the sense that due to tourism, um, as I think you were asking. Um, yeah. So we're, we're, we're pretty constant there. Um, you know, there's a lot of other healthcare entities within our region. So we have a pretty large medical staff. It's uh, just under 700 credentialed physicians. Um, and so we, we stay pretty busy, actually. Now, uh, in terms of um, clinical application environment, uh, is Chess- Chesapeake is um, in the process of uh, going to Epic, is that correct? Correct. We've been with our, our current vendor uh, for a core vendor for about uh, six, seven years now. Um, and in some areas of the organization, um, that partner has been around for, for 10 to 15 years. Um, but uh, we are one of the few within our region and, and, frankly, almost within the Commonwealth of Virginia that are not on EPIC. And because we have such a large physician population that is, um, you know, practicing at many different entities throughout the region, uh, we feel that it's, you know, really uh, time and EPIC has matured to a level where we're comfortable taking it on 
um, to uh, move it into our organization at this point in time. So we're pretty excited about that. Uh, we have uh, about eight, nine, ten months of implementation ahead of us. Uh, we have a tentative go live for February 28th of 2016. I think we'll see, you know, how we um, roll out with that date. That's the date as it stands now, but it's a date, you know, that we've put out there as a target. I think our intent and goal is to go live when it's time and appropriate and we're ready to go live. Um, so we're not trying to meet a date for the sake of meeting the date. We uh, have just put that out there uh, as a, you know, legitimate, real target for us. So if we can meet it, we will, but um, we, we won't go live either prematurely or even then if it doesn't feel right, so to speak. Yeah. Okay. And as far as that, uh, the implementation uh, strategy, how did that work as far as, you know, did you go ambulatory first or how, how did that, how is that going to work? Yeah, so the strategy we currently have will be uh, system-wide. It's, it's, you know, akin to what's known in our industry as the Big Bang Go Live. Um, at this time, we still have ambulatory focused on uh, that same time frame. Um, as we get a little further into the implementation, we may modify that slightly. You know, is it uh, yeah. 60 days beforehand? Is it 60 days afterhand? I think that's yet to be determined. Uh, but in general, um, that is the approach. Um, with one, one caveat, when I say big bang, that is most of the inpatient uh, areas. It is not all of the ancillary systems. So, for example, uh, laboratory, home care, uh, we will uh, not bring those up simultaneously. Uh, we'll, we'll focus on a phase two, uh, if you will, for some of those areas. But the, the core inpatient system uh, and most of the supporting components, uh, as well as the RevCycle financial side of things, patient access, uh, are all contemplated as part of that. Okay. And now, what about as far as um, training? Uh, is that how, how is that something that you're approaching? And, and do you do anything, or will you do any kind of, like site visits at, at other facilities that are using Epic? Yeah, I should talk a little bit about um, our selection process, insofar right. as um, how how we're advancing Epic, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, originally, we we talked to Epic um, in the traditional, what's known as the Epic Direct model. Um, but we also, in our conversation with them, uh, became aware of what's known as Epic Connect. Uh, and this is a, a model that's not dissimilar to a group purchasing power type scenario mm -hmm. where one might consider <clears throat> finding another partner who is already a, uh, a larger Epic customer and contemplating um, writing kind of on their backbone, their structure, taking advantage of group purchasing to reduce some of your licensure costs, uh, leveraging some of their build knowledge and history. Um, and so you really would have, in, instead of what's known as Epic Direct, you'd have a connect model where you're partnering with somebody who's already done it. So we actually, after a lot of thought uh, analysis, and, and we spoke to a few entities out there, um, that could potentially offer this to us, uh, we did select a partner and have chosen to go with the uh, Epic Connect model, uh, and that's through an entity known as Good Help uh, Incorporated, uh, which is a subsidiary of Bon Secours uh, Health System uh, based out of Richmond, Virginia. And so they're really helping guide us uh, through that process. I, 
you know, we've been in the business of implementing, it seems, every year, especially, you know, we've been in an era of meaningful use and constantly adding new capability and new systems or, or modifying systems to support, you know, all the new requirements. So I really wanted to get out of the business of uh, implementing purely and, you know, find a quicker, I guess, time-to-market model, if you will, yeah. um, so we yeah. could really focus again on the innovation instead of just putting in systems. Um, putting in systems, as you know, is painful, it's, uh, it's, it's burdensome, it's cumbersome, um, and it's exciting as well, but, um, you know, it detracts from some of the business focus um, in many instances. And so we felt like this was a, a quicker way uh, to get the system in, get Epic in, uh, and forego, you know, a lot of that uh, quote-unquote tweaking that occurs for some period of time with any application even post-live for several years. So in our model, we will take the Bonsecor build pretty much as it stands today um, and then, you know, modify those areas that are unique to us. Uh, for example, many institutions may have different accrediting bodies, which is the case with us. So there will be some modifications there, you know, as you would expect uh, to support those requirements. Um, but we really felt like it was a uh, a model that would save us uh, some expense up front, uh, which is certainly very important uh, and today is protecting the Treasury and any healthcare organization across the U.S., uh, but I think even more importantly, really improving the delivery of the go-live product uh, and leveraging the knowledge of somebody who has already gone through the, the painstaking process of implementing, modifying, implementing, modifying, uh, et cetera and uh, hopefully we'll avoid a good portion of that and just start from precisely where they're at after, you know, nearly a decade of experience. Right. Okay. Just as far as, you know, that, that communication with them, is there a specific group uh, on your end who's, uh, you know, kind of tasked with that? Oh, yes. We, we definitely have a very strong governance model. Um, it's not dissimilar, I think, to what most organizations put in place anytime they undergo, uh, you know, a significant implementation such as this. Um, but it would include, you know, starting at the very top of the hierarchy. We have, you know, I'm very fortunate to have really strong board support for technology. I think our executive suite and the board really values technology as an investment, not necessarily as an expense, and there is a pretty big differentiation there. Um, and we understand that it's one of the keys to our business success uh, in our industry. And so I think we have that strong support at the very top levels. Then you move down from that, we have a traditional IT governance model, which would include a steering com uh, committee that's comprised of the entire uh, executive team, uh, as well as other key stakeholders. And so these key stakeholders come from the next layer of the model, which includes uh, a series of about uh, just under a dozen work groups, which really are the entities responsible for the implementation uh, across the house. So this includes your rev cycle team. This includes a physician advisory council. Um, you know, and you go through each discipline and there's a work group surrounding that. You know, there's specifically a go live work group and a training work group, uh, training and education for the house. So each of the chairs and co-chairs for those subcommittees are also permanent members of the uh, steering committee. So the body of work really happens at that work group level throughout the organization. 
but we really felt it was important to have that collective steering committee uh, meeting biweekly um, to be there just to support these work groups or break down any barriers that may exist. Um, you know, when there's the, the big hairy decisions, if you will, that have to be made, uh, that they're there to really dialogue over those and come to a, a decision pretty promptly. And so uh, I mentioned also this group, this steering group will meet biweekly. That's with some intent. We, you know, traditionally some organizations you'll have these higher level entities meeting uh, monthly. In some cases, I've even seen quarterly where you have a really large multifaceted uh, implementation. Uh, in our interest, um, we felt, you know, uh, we wanted to be a little more nimble than that. So uh, that's where the, the biweekly model comes into play. And we can react pretty quickly. And if there are ad hoc things that come up, um, you know, we also have the luxury of the executive team already meeting uh, weekly. So um, whomever of us uh, needs to bring something to the collective body or the team, uh, we have that avenue as well. And I, w I would think that the uh, the strategy to to use that um, good help connections is something that uh, played well with, with the with the staff with with the users just as far as knowing that um, you know they're dealing with people who were who were in somewhat the same spot and can deal with some of the the, the tougher questions or maybe even be a little more honest. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I would say the uh, organization as a whole uh, and the individuals within it, all of us as employees, are, are quite excited and quite enamored because, you know, we've done implementations before, so it, it's not as if we are a, a small organization that's coming from paper to the electronic world. We've right, right. been electronic for quite a while, a couple of decades here at this organization, multiple uh, different partners over those years uh, for that. Um, we're, we're very aware of all the, the latest and greatest requirements. You know, we've, we've done most of our meaningful use attestations, um, you know, and have stayed on track with that. Uh, we were early out of the gate, even pre-meaningful use, and focusing on some of our uh, advanced capabilities, such as electronic order entry and et cetera. So uh, the organization knows what an implementation is all about. Um, I think, you know, this was uh, an excitement to have a little bit of extra insight to a new partner that we've never worked with before and exactly, you know, how that application and those systems work and how they work together, uh, how they inter interoperate. So uh, I think this implementation is a little bit different than probably those we've done in the past. Your typical uh, install or implementation involves you know, not just workflow analysis, but building screen customization uh, interactions in between multidisciplinary areas. Uh, we feel pretty excited in that most of that will come to a large degree pre-built for us. So we're spending uh, most of our implementation, in fact, focusing on workflow and process improvement. And you always do this to some degree, but there never seems to be enough time so, you know, that old uh, mantra of don't let perfect be the enemy of good, um, we've, we've been there before, and, you know, there's things that you say, okay, well, we'll catch those post-go-live and post-implementation. Um, we're, we're pretty excited. This time we have an opportunity to capture most of that up front um, and with the new technology. So part of it is learning what our capabilities are with the new software. Um, versus the traditional model. So it, it, it really is, even though we're, I, I guess I would say, 
uh, much to our chagrin, we're seasoned pros with implementation. Um, this really is a different model for us that, that we're rather accepting of and pretty excited about. Yeah. Yeah, moving closer to uh, that optimization mode and, and uh, really, like you said, being able to focus on innovation and not just uh, the ongoing yeah, precisely. Uh, that never ends. That's it. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.